0: believe God has a word for us today and and uh, hopefully through my primitive mouth it can be articulated uh, but, but I believe the Lord does want to say something to us. Thank you for being here, uh, thank you for taking time, we're excited about all the things that are coming up, we're excited about these Bible studies Kate talked about. that will be three Bible studies we're facilitating. We're at, well, we actually facilitate more. We got a, on Sunday mornings, we have a Bible study for our teenagers that David and Becca are leading called um, uh, uh, The Download. And uh, David Croft, I believe you, you're in on that now, which is awesome. This is, this man knows the Word of God, loves to talk and teach about the Word of God and the fact that he's going to pour into our our teenagers along with David and Becca. Lamprick, that's a, that's a blessing. And then, Mark, are you guys still on... Friday night, still doing. Uh, Mark and Karen Cooper. Mark was instrumental in uh, helping to launch our Jackson Bible Study, and, uh, and and we had a really successful season of that. Then when we kicked into the next season, it just it was hard to kickstart. And sometimes that happens in ministry. You know, uh, we're we're fishers of men, right? So sometimes the fishing hole kind of dries up, and you got to go find where the fish are biting again, right? And and so those things that just happened. So so there were after a couple of weeks, I believe, Sister Myrna and contacted Mark and said, "Well, hey, let's just go over to your house and continue studying the Book of Romans." So they meet on Fridays, correct? What what time on Fridays? Six thirty on Fridays over at the Cooper's house, no, over at Myrna's house. Myrna Myrna opens up her house. She's got a beautiful home on the north side of the neighborhood. Uh, 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 so she's. So, so they meet every Friday. So if you're interested in that, if that day works really good for you, get in with these folks. Man, I get excited about that. The, uh, matter of fact, I would love it if, wouldn't it be awesome if we couldn't even, the, the church at large, like us, we couldn't even find time to sanction a Bible study because all of you guys were having so many home Bible studies that we're just like, oh man, y'all go do it. Let's do it. So that's really what we want. So, uh, so I, I'm, thank, thank you, Myrna. Thank you, Cooper's for, for keeping that rolling. Uh, so, so good stuff. That's really what it's about is community. We are the church. This is not church. We are the church and the church gets together. And, uh, it's a way for folks that don't attend the church to be able to stop in and receive our men's Bible study on Saturday morning. I'd say probably 50% of them don't even attend our church. Some of them attend other churches. There's a couple that don't attend period, but they'll show up. And Isn't that awesome that the the, the folks can can just come together and and get into the Word of God? Amen. All right, we're talking this week about, once again, uh, just continuing from last week, the great reboot, the great reboot. And what I mean by that is sometimes you need to reboot your mind, reboot your brain. You wind up running into uh, situations or circumstances, you find yourself going into just this loop, constant loop of thought process. Sometimes, typically it's going to be more negative than not, Uh, it's going to be more thoughts that are defeating than not, thoughts that bring you down. Uh, You may say, look, you don't understand the circumstances I'm dealing with, It's, it's bringing me down. No, really, that's not really the truth. The truth of the matter is, people don't make you mad, people don't make you upset, people don't do any of that. Circumstances don't make you mad. Circumstances don't get you upset. Circumstances don't make you defeated. The problem really is our thoughts about the people, places, circumstances, issues, challenges. That's really what, we, what winds up defeating us, isn't it? You know, nothing has authority or power over you except for God. And so if we give up our peace, you, you, you know the, the, the phrase, hold your peace you just need to hold your peace. Well, we really do. The Lord we gave, he gave us his peace. My peace I give to you," he said. Not as the world knows, but it's my peace, it's the peace that passes understanding. And we give that peace away so easily. Say, "Man, I, but I'm you know, I go through this situation, that, I I'm, I'm dealing with this. I'm I'm you know, you, you don't you, you don't know my boss, you don't you don't know my spouse, <laughs> you don't know my, you know, you you don't know my neighbors." Ultimately, they don't have control over food. And the, and the Holy Spirit gives you the power and, 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 the, and Christ has given you the authority to rule over your mind. You can control, with the help of the Lord, how you're gonna choose to feel, think, respond to every person, every situation in life. And nobody has the right or the authority to tell you otherwise, Jesus felt the same way. You remember what he told his disciples? He said, "Don't worry about tomorrow. Focus on today, because today's got its own problems, right?" Well, what is worry? Worry is a thought process, and he's saying, "Hey, don't don't worry." He didn't say, "Hey, I'm about to help you not to worry." No, he said, "No, you, you." Dave, you don't worry, son. Don't worry. Why? Because he's giving you the, the power to, to change it, to change your mind. So here's our key text. Going back to last week, this is what we studied. You remember the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians, he was telling them, hey, I'm looking forward to coming back. I'm going to talk to you guys. I can't wait to see you. But when I'm there, hopefully I'm not going to have to talk to all of you. The way that I'm about to have to talk to some folk, there's a handful of you that have been ornery and been saying all kind of bad stuff about me and saying that my preaching isn't of God, that I'm doing it all out of the flesh and out of carnal desire. And so I'm just going to come and set the record straight. But then he goes on to say this, what he's trying to communicate is I'm not coming in with a, with a whip or a paddle you know. I'm not going to beat them into submission but I'm going to help them see, I'm going to help them understand so that they can change the way they're thinking about me and about what God is doing through me And but it's a principle that we get to live by. Uh, Paul says this, for though we walk and live in the flesh, every problem we have takes place in this fleshy earthly realm, right? Every challenge that we face has a physical tone to it. It may be a spiritual root, but we experience it in our flesh, right? In our carnality. So though we walk and live in the flesh, we are not carrying on our warfare according to the flesh and using mere human weapons, okay? If you have issue with your neighbor, you can't just go over there with a baseball bat and deal with it, right? (laughs) Ain't going to work. You know, if you and your spouse have a disagreement, you don't need to be pulling out swords. Right? That's just not how it works. He said, we don't, we don't war with human weapons. For the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood. But they are, we do have weapons. And they are mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. What he means by strongholds is mindsets or patterns. Chronic thought patterns. You guys know what it mean. What we mean by it: somebody pushes your button, and over the next day or a few days, you have, you are encircling in a thought pattern that brings you down, gets you mad, gets you irritated, causes problems. You wind up having arguments with your kids or with your wife or with your boss, just like you did three months ago when the same button was pushed and you responded the same way. What is it? It's a stronghold. And he's saying, hey, I'm going to help you reboot. You know, when your computer gets into one of those loops and just won't work right, what do you do? Power off, power back. It wakes up smart. It went to sleep dumb, but it woke up smart. Sometimes we have got to reboot our mind and the Holy Spirit gives us the weapons to do so. And that's the word of God. The word of God can change our mind. He goes on to say, in as much, this is how we do it. In as much as we refute arguments and theories and reasonings, and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. So every thought you have that is arrogant enough to think it is right over the word of God, you bring that, you get a, you get a hold of that. You take it captive. It says, we lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. So we literally can can use the word of God to reshape the way we think and bring all those old thought processes into obedience with what the word of God says. In other words, you can train your brain to stop thinking the way that you've always thought and start thinking the word of God. Is that, that simple. And, and it takes rebooting. And so in a practical way, Last week and this week, I want to just give you a couple of practical ways of doing this that the Bible talks about. Last week, we talked about, you remember, what did we talk about? The prayer of, anyone remember? The prayer of petition. Thank you. Ooh, look at that. Ryan passes. Oh, no, no, no. Brother Phillips. I I thought that came from you, Ryan. Brother Phillips is a (laughs) ventriloquist. He threw his voice over on you. That's pretty impressive. The prayer of petition, which is a written a written, uh, a written request, formal written request. And so I talked about the power of writing the vision down, as Habakkuk says. Writing it down and, and then praising God. I explained how you know, three, three and a half years ago, I wrote down, praising God, what my life would be like in five years and just let myself dream. The Lord has brought that letter to pass in three and a half years. Everything I wrote down has taken place. Amen. So, so, and I, and I challenged you guys. Hopefully, some of y'all did it. My wife read me her petition. I was on. I was. I was coming back from pigeon. I was in Knoxville having church on the phone. Man, she's like, I want to read you my petition, because you remember I said to get with somebody who you can agree with, and who will have faith to say, yeah, hey, I'll believe with that. So she wanted me to believe. It. I said, woo, man. I was having church, going right down downtown Knoxville, trying to get back home this week. So. So kingdom thinking, we we learned this last week. I want everyone to read this with me. My brain is my brain, and I can choose not to think or feel any way I do not want to. The Lord gives you that kind of freedom. Isn't that awesome? As I said, it's not your circumstances that are getting to you. It's your thoughts about the circumstances that's getting to you. And if you have chosen to think thoughts that are getting to you, God gives you the freedom to think thoughts that will enliven you and encourage you. It's that simple. One of the most powerful moments in my walk with God took place, oh, let's see. About nine years ago, Uh, I had just come through a season in my life. Within three years, my dad had passed away Nineteen months later, my brother passed away. Nineteen months later, my mom's passing away from leukemia. So just over a three-year span, I lose three of the closest people in my life. Now, in between that time with my, my brother had just passed away, it was about a month later. And I was, oh, I was grieving so bad. It was just, I, we, were already, we were already hurting over losing my dad. He was, he was one of my best friends. He was my counselor. Uh, there's not another man on the planet that was like my dad. I, I love him and miss him to this day. And then to lose my brother, at the time he was 45 years old, just out of nowhere. And, and that was a gut punch. You know, we were supposed to grow old together. And, and he was my older brother. He was one of my first heroes in life, right? You look up to your older brother. And, man, I just, I remember sitting in my office, and I had been hurting. I was sitting in my office at work. And I just had a few moments, I was praying, and I said, Lord, make me a better, just make me a better man. Make me a better preacher, make me a better dad, make me a better husband, make me a better, you know, you just kind of, just want to be better. And he told me, he said, no. No, I thought that's, I thought that was a good prayer. What do you mean, no? And he goes, no. He said, I have made you, I don't have to make you anyway. I have made you exactly how you need to be and who you need to be. The question is, when are you going to start acting the way I made you? Instead of acting the way everyone has thought you were. And he said, ask of me anything. What do you want? And I told him at the time, if I ever had an, an encounter with God, I know it was that day. I said, I, I'm tired of grieving. For, for, for well over a year, I have been Going on two years, I've been grieving. And he said, then stop. What do you mean stop? And he told me, he said, David, you don't have to feel any way you don't want to feel about it. I'm not telling you to ignore the loss. I'm not telling you not to hurt. Well, you're going to hurt. You love them. But I'm telling you, you're the only one that's debilitating yourself with grief. So stop. Try it. And so I, did. I verbally said, I'm done with grieving. And just like that, when my mom died, oh, I, I mourned her. Oh, I loved my mom. But I didn't grieve. And I haven't. Oh, there's days I miss them. And sure, sometimes I shed tears still because I love them. You know? Hey, it, it wasn't fun to be away from my wife for a week. I missed her. It was close to tears one night I missed her, right? That just means I love her. Which, happy anniversary, my love, by the way. Yesterday was one year. We've been married one year in a row. We're happy. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh so, so uh, uh, you know, but you can choose. That's, that's a powerful truth, powerful truth, okay? All right, I'm going to I'm gonna try to move along. Let's talk about confession. I want to talk to us about the prayer of confession. And by confession, I don't mean you got to come sit with me in some closet and tell me everything that you did wrong this week so I can tell you how to pray and all that type of stuff, and I'm not talking about that, Okay. I'm not even talking about, oh, I gotta confess. I gotta, I gotta admit to all the wrong I'm doing. Well, that's, the word does mean that too. Confession has multiple meanings, but what I want us to focus on is this meaning. It's a statement of one's principles. So you are constantly confessing something over your life. You're either confessing your fears or you are confessing your faith in God. You're either gonna be living by faith or living by fear. You're either going to make decisions by faith or decisions by fear. You get to choose. Now, what we're talking about is rebooting your brain. We're trying to get thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You remember where heaven is? Heaven is uh, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Where's the Holy Spirit? In us. So we contain heaven just like Jesus told the first. The kingdom of heaven is within you. So if his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, I need to get what's in here out here. One way to do it is to write the word of God down for your life. Another way to do it is to speak it out, to confess your principles. Well, the only real principle that's reality is the word of God. Because if God said it, that's more real than anything else, right? Say, well, God can't tell a lie. No, he can't lie. It's not a matter of he can't, well, God won't tell a lie. No, he can't lie. If a cat walks in the room and God says, look at that dog, it's going to turn into a dog because anything he says comes about, period, right? So it's not a matter of he can't tell a lie. Well, he can't lie. If God said it, it's, it's, it's fact. Look at the way he created the whole universe. This whole existence that we have is created via his word. That means everything, every grain of dirt out there, every leaf out there, every molecule of air in here is contained within his word. So this this reality actually is affected by his word. Look at this, by faith. That means total trust. We understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible, Hey, well, this building was made because a bunch of guys got together and put it together. No, the molecules in the, that, this, that make up this building have always existed from the moment God has created. You remember, matter can neither be created nor destroyed. You remember? We learned that in school. So that when God spoke his word, he spoke all this, this neighborhood, this community, this city, the state into existence. Now, it may have taken... Years and years and years for it to come about and manifest, but he spoke it out, right? Psalm 33, six, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. You see this pattern that's going on here? 33, nine, for he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. God had an intention and a vision and he spoke it out and it came to pass because that's what God does i love this scripture romans 4:17 as it is written i have this is god talking to abraham i have made you a father of many nations now get this when he said that to abraham abraham had not had a kid yet so he was calling abraham big papa before he had even had a child. Hey, wake up, father of many nations. How's it going, father He changed his name from Abram to Abraham, which means father of many nations. That means Abraham had to go introduce himself. Hey, my name's Abraham. Oh, father of many nations, where's your kids? <laughs> oh, they're on the way. <laughs> as far as God was concerned, that was truth. Now, it hadn't manifested for Abraham yet. It hadn't come about yet, but that doesn't matter. Just because it's not in this realm doesn't mean God doesn't trust himself, right? Matter of fact, he goes on and says, In the presence of him who he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. That's what kind of God we serve. Just because we don't see it existing here doesn't mean it doesn't exist in the heavenlies. And God's going to call it the way He sees it in the heavenlies. And where's the heavenlies? We just got through saying it. Where's the heavenlies exist? Oh, so it's already in you. How, what's the easiest way to get what's in here out here? Through your mouth. Amen? amen. If you can't say amen, say oh me. <laughs> this is what I love. If that's how our Father is, and we were created in whose image? The image of our Father. Ephesians 5 1, therefore be imitators of God as dear children. We are to imitate the Father. Act like your daddy today. Well, what does your dad say? He says his word. Well, I'm going to say his word. Even if I don't see it here, that's why the Bible says, let the weak say, I am strong, but they're weak. No, they're going to say it. They're going to speak the way that God said it. God found Gideon. He said, he sent the angel. The angel said, howdy, mighty man of valor. When he said that, Gideon was cowering and hiding in a wine press. He said, no, you're a mighty man of valor. Right? So he calls the things that aren't as though they were. This is how it works. I don't care what you're going through today. I don't care what your life looks like. I don't care if you're going, man, I don't, look, look at this crazy situation. Look at this crazy person. Look at this crazy job. Look at these crazy bills. Start speaking what God says about it, not what you see, but what his word says about it. And, and you don't try to figure it and say, well, that doesn't even make sense to me. You're not supposed to figure it out with your head. You don't believe from your head. You believe from your heart. From the place that, that the, the birthplace of your dreams, the perth, birthplace of your emotions, your feelings, your desires, your intentions. Your brain is just for processing. And some of us have a slower processor than others. I'm one. I tell my wife all the time men, we got one hamster, like, the, like is on the wheel. Women, y'all got three hamsters that are going. Y'all process a lot quicker and handle a lot more things than our one hamster. But the problem is. And y'all know I'm right, so don't get mad at me. Sometimes your hamsters aren't in sync. And that's when it all gets a little crazy. All right? See, we only have one hamster to get in rhythm. So y'all can get more done, but more can go wrong. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. Believes unto righteousness. What does that mean? Well, this is like a good old scripture that we always use. To say, if you... If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you get to go to heaven. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. There's nothing wrong and there's truth. That is truth. But it goes far deeper than that. It goes far deeper than us punching our ticket to the sweet by and by. It's how we can live our life. For with the heart, everything in me, I know it's looking rough. I know it's looking wrong. I know that. I can't even see the way out of this, but with my heart, everything in me, it's going to be okay, and it's going to be made right. That's what righteousness means, means rightedness. This is going to turn out right. I'm going to be able to think right, talk right, be right. My family's going to be right. My job's going to be right. My finances are going to be right. Everything's going to be right, because even though it looks crazy and, and all hell's breaking loose, I know with everything in me, I believe it. And then it says, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. The word salvation comes from the Greek word sozo. It doesn't mean just going to heaven after you die and being with Jesus. That We do get to do that. But salvation, the word sozo means wholeness, completeness, well-being, lacking nothing, fully restored. Wouldn't that be awesome to live in that? Well, you have you have the ability to live in that salvation, to live in that soul sozo, that that uh, wholeness and wellness of being. So with the heart, everything in you, you believe it, you feel it, you see it, you claim it. With the mouth, speak it out. Speak what out? Speak out what God has said. Because with the confession is made unto sozo, wholeness, wellness, completeness. You want to be whole well, complete, and lack nothing fully at peace, speak it out. If your life is saying one thing, you say what God's word says about it. If your brain is saying something negative or contrary to the word of God, you speak out the word of God. If you have 100 thoughts a day, you reboot it by speaking 101 times. (laughs) Speak out one more time than what your brain thinks because you can't speak faith and think fear at the same time. We're talking about rebooting your brain. Everyone still with me? Trust in the Lord with all your brain. Oh wait, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Don't try to figure it out because your brain is for processing. It can only process data. Well, sometimes the data is incorrect that's being input into it. So you trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. What is all your ways? Well, that's the way that you wake up, the way that you uh, pick out your clothes, the way you're going to eat. the way. Oh, and the way you speak. That would, that would be involved in that, right? So in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Now, the next thing I want you to do, I want you to find somebody. Don't just talk to yourself. I want you to find someone that you can get in agreement with, someone who's not going to speak faith, someone to go, well, I know you're trying to believe for all that Jesus stuff, but look, you've got, you got to remember this, 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 this. Don't be so heavenly-minded. You can be of no earthly good. Now, I need more heaven in my mind, so I can be of earthly good, right? So I read this last week, and some of you all look like I fell out of a tree when I tried to teach you this. And I said, and that's why I said, well, Jesus said it. So just to get the point across, I put it in red because Jesus said it, right? So man, if Jesus said it, don't take my word, take his word. Look, it's in red today even, right? Those are the important words, right? That's what they always say. Matthew 18, 19, Jesus said, again, I say to you, that means he said it before. (laughs) I love it. He's like, I'm trying to get this into your your psyche here, right? He said it once. He said it multiple times. And then he says, I'm going to say it again. I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Well, where is heaven? He's already going to do it in you. He's already doing it in you. It's going to be done. If two of you will get together, just two of you, it doesn't even have to take a church full of people. If two people will come together and agree on the word of God, say, you know what? That's why my wife called and said, hey, I want to read you this petition. I said, well, I'm not going anywhere. I'm on the road to Knoxville or coming through Knoxville. Man, she's reading out her petition. This is what I'm going to the Lord and I'm believing believing these things for God. And I said, you know what? I'm crazy enough to believe with you. That's the kind of God we serve. What was she doing? She just wanted somebody to get with her to say, yes, I agree, I agree. And I rejoice, matter of fact, this morning I was sitting there rejoicing because that it's going to be done because this is the promise. Jesus said, look, if you'll do that, it's going to get done. I don't know when. I don't know how. I'm not God. That's, that's, his, that's his design. That's his plan. He'll bring it about in his perfect time. In the meantime, I can delight myself in the Lord, as David said. Delight myself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires and secret petitions of your heart. Amen. Now, wrapping up real quick, that ought to make everyone say amen right there. Uh, Luke, chapter 8, starting with verse 50. Uh, at conference this week, um, Jeffrey Goodman, Pastor Jeffrey Goodman, is a young man who he and his wife planted a church up in Washington, D.C. God pulled him from, uh, from a parish down in Louisiana, backwoods Louisiana, sent him up to Washington, D.C., into the swamp to plant a church. And uh, they've been up there for about seven, seven eight years uh, and, and he had a chance. He, he preached for us. And half of, half of the sermon, he was sitting there preaching. And I, that's what I told the crew. I was like, man, he, I, I was wondering who broke into my room and found my notes. Turns out it was Jeffrey. Uh, but, but he, and he brought out a couple of things about this story that I loved and we'll talk about. But look, Jesus uses the same concept of not, not only agreeing with what God has to say, but speaking it out, okay. So Jesus had just gotten off of a boat. Jairus, Iris, who was who was a, a very powerful within the local synagogue, came by and said, "Jesus, my daughter is dying. She's very ill. Will you come to the house and pray for her and heal her?" And he said, "Yeah, come on, let's go." So they start going. Well, we know the story. In the meantime, what happens? The woman, he's, there's a crowd of people. The woman with the issue of blood reaches out, touches the hem of his garment. He deals with her, right? He heals her. He interacts with her. And in the meantime, here's Jairus who's desperate because oh, I got Jesus's attention. Time is of the essence. Come on, my daughter's dying. Let's go. Let's go. So he's having to wait for someone else to get their miracle while he's dying for Jesus to come give him his miracle, right? So at that point, people showed up and said, no, don't bother. Don't bother the rabbi. Don't Don't bother the teacher. She's already dead. And so Jesus hears them and says, But when Jesus heard what had happened, he said to Jairus, Everything that we've been learning for months and months and months don't be afraid, just have faith. Don't live in fear, live in faith. Don't be afraid, trust me. That's all God is asking of all of us today. I don't know what you're going through, but whatever it is, don't be afraid. Trust him. Man, he's got you. He's got everything. He already knew. That's why it's called pro-vision. Pro, meaning before, right? Ahead of time. Pro-vision. He already saw everything you're going to have to walk through this week before you even knew you had to walk through it. And if he had pro-vision or before-vision, then he's got supplies for you. Everything you need to get through this week, you're going to have. So he said, don't be afraid, just have faith, and she will be healed. When they arrived at the house, notice, they arrived at the house, Jesus wouldn't let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, James, and the little girl's parents, the the father and mother, Jairus and, and, and his wife. Now notice, Jairus is not recorded saying another word. That's a huge example for us because if you can't bring yourself to speak the word of God and you're going through something maybe you just need to like shut up altogether. You know, even being quiet is more powerful than speaking negativity and doubt and fear over a situation. So I don't even know what scripture to speak. Well then don't speak anything. Cuz if you open your mouth you're going to speak something that you don't you shouldn't. Right? Now, why why was it notice I highlighted Peter, James, and John? You, had, you notice every time he went somewhere just to kind of get away, but he wanted a few of his guys to come, it was always Peter, James, and John. Number one, they were some of the first, like the first three that he kind of called. And and so, but, but I want to suggest that even though they weren't perfect in their faith at this time, they were the most faith-filled ones that he had. And so... He's about to go and do a miracle. If he's going to have any of his disciples come in, let me get the three that will at least agree with me. Because if at least two of us agree, my father's going to do it for us. And so he's like, come on, boys, I need some faith. Let's go in here. And so he goes in. Notice it says, the house was filled with people weeping and wailing. Uh, Some translations explain that, that they were the paid weepers and wailers. Within their culture, you wanted families to feel loved, so you would pay, like, there was, there was a group of people that got paid to come cry if you had a loved one who was dying or had died. They'll show up at your house and cry with you, right? You know, what a crazy kind of job that is. You know, not just crying, not, like, you're, you're not just going to go weep. <laughs> They're weeping and wailing, oh, God, oh, Lord, oh, help me. You know, can you imagine how irritating that is for Jesus. Bunch of fake people. He's, he's in here trying to work a miracle. You got a bunch of fakery going on. So he says, he says, stop weeping. Some translations say, stop wailing, like he's knocking it off. Now notice what he says. He speaks something that nobody else sees. He sees the perspective from a totally different name. He says, she isn't dead. She's only asleep Oh, but the crowd laughed at him because they all knew she had died. That's why you don't want to go hang out at the crowd all the time. Because the crowd is not going to speak the word of God over you. The guy's not. The crowd's not going to agree with you. That's why some of y'all don't need to put everything out there on social media because not everybody is going to amen you on stuff. Ooh, man. Y'all all right? I got a... I just got to say, I got to beef with social media. I, I got to beef. I, I nuked my Facebook account last April, right? I just was like, man, I got to get away from some toxic stuff. And I can't just block people, right? Because people notice if a pastor blocks you, well, what would you block me for, right? So I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to block the world, right? So I, I mean, I didn't just shut it down. I nuked it. Like, it doesn't exist it's somewhere floating around in Facebook server, never for me to access again. And I'm talking about like whatever year I opened this up. I'm not even the same man, right? That opened up that Facebook account. So I show up last week to Pigeon forge. Everyone's like, all these preachers are like, why'd you block me? I said I didn't block you. What are you talking about? I can't even see your account on Facebook. Oh, because it doesn't exist anymore, man. Well, how am I going to how am I going to keep in touch with? It? Well, you got my number, right? Come on. You know, so I capitulated. okay, fine, let me get, when I get back home, I, you know, I open up a Facebook account, figure I'll stay under the radar, I already have pre-blocked people that just don't need to have anything to do with Dave, right? It's a healthy thing. Fine, I'm back here on Facebook. I had time to wish my wife happy anniversary and post a scripture, and Facebook has shut me down for now, said, said that I, I am going against community standards. Man, y'all got real religious around here or something since I've been gone. So, I don't know, we'll see. So, I, I protested. They said they're going to review it within 48 hours, and if they still deem it not meeting community standards, they're going to shut it down permanently, and that I, that I won't have the ability to disagree with them again. I said, that's wrong. I can disagree with you all I want until I die. You can't control me. But anyway, so, yeah, I have a beef. So, I'm just saying, watch out for the crowds, Okay. They're going to speak stuff that that, uh, doesn't always vibe with what God's trying to tell you. But the crowd laughed at him because they all knew she had died. Then Jesus took her by the hand. This is what I want people, someone needs to hear this today. And I'm reading from the NLT because I love the way they have Jesus wording this. Then Jesus took her by the hand and said in a loud voice, my child, get up. And at that moment, her life returned and she immediately stood up. Matter of fact, he looked at her parents and said, go get her something to eat. But did you hear what he said? My child, get up. Now, we'll get all happy and have revival over the fact he said, get up, and she got up. But I love what he called her. He didn't say, daughter of J. Iris, get up. He said, my child, get up. J. Iris had submitted to him. He said, don't fear, just have faith. Just trust me. Come on, let's go. The Irish didn't say another word. He submitted. When you submit to God, when you submit to Christ, now your world becomes His world. He said, "My child," all of a sudden, that's my baby that's laying in that bed. Get up. I don't know what you're facing today. You may say, "Dave, I've got," and our family got some problem. He said, "No, no, no. Those are my problems. They're not your problems. They're my problems." And I take care of my problems. So that's not your family. That's my family. And I loved them enough. I died for them. I'm not gonna let anything tear you apart. I said, what about my job? No, that he's like, that's not your job. That's my job. I let you work there to provide for you. But I'll take care of the situation. Well, what, what about my neighbor? No, that's that's my neighbor. That's my child. I, the earth is the, the Lord's and everyone in it, the world and all who live in it, they belong to me. I'll take care of it. When you can begin to submit and let go and say, Lord, I can't make heads or tails of this situation, but you know what? I'm only going to speak what you speak. Search in the Bible, hop on Google, whatever you have to do, punch in scriptures pertaining to this and let the Holy Spirit direct you to One. Trust me, you'll get a list of 80 scriptures and some of them you'll say, how in the world does that even apply to what I, you know? But the Holy Spirit will help you. He'll find a scripture for you and just speak that scripture out. Say, so you don't know what I'm dealing with with my kids. And great shall be the peace of thy children. There have been days I've had that that's the only thing I could, I could speak out over my own kids. And great shall be the peace of thy children. Lord, you promised me that. I trust your word more than I trust what they're going through right now. Find something to speak out. It's a way to reboot. It's the prayer of confession. What are you confessing over your life today? Are you confessing fear? Are you confessing faith? When you submit to Christ, your world becomes his. My child, get up. My son, stand. My daughter, rejoice. My family, peace. Whatever it is he's going to speak, my job, favor. He'll take possession of it. And if it's in his hands, that's the greatest hands of all. Let's all stand. Positions of you will come. Father, I love you. I praise you. As they're coming, they're going to sing one more song. I think they're going to do breath away. And, man, if we're going to lose our breath, might as well lose our breath speaking the word of God. That's what I say. So let let him take your breath away in his goodness and through his word. But if there's anyone who needs prayer right now, I I want to invite you up front. I know usually I go hang out on the side and invite you over. But I just feel if if anyone needs prayer for anything, you just need someone to to stand in the gap with you and to agree with you. Maybe you're going through something. You're like, okay, you know what, Dave? I'm going to have faith. I need to get with somebody. Look, I'll have faith with you. I'm one of those preachers that actually its crazy enough to think if God said it, I believe it, period. If you need prayer for anything, come on down. If someone else comes down, you need prayer. I don't care. Y'all can line up, whatever. And we're going to come together as a family if need be. And you'll have a whole family of folks agreeing and praying with you. Amen. Amen. As the musicians begin. Would you come? Father, we love you. I thank you right now. I praise you. Let me get let me get out of your way, Ryan. I'll get my stuff out of your way. How's that? <laughs> Amen. Why are they sing.